Welcome. I'm Jenny Gwen, and this is Catholic Moms in the Middle. I am so honored, and I'm so excited about today's guest. Just to tell you a little bit about her, she's a wife, a mom, she's an award-winning author, an international speaker, a podcaster, and a daily radio show host, Katie McGrady. Welcome, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I have a question for you. Do yeah. people have a hard time time just calling you Katie without adding in the McGrady? <laughs> you Katie McGrady? Yeah, that happens a lot. Sometimes they throw the the maiden name in and it uh, it breaks it up a little bit. That's why I married my husband, because it rhymes. Being Jenny Gwen, working in a church and school for years, my friends and even family can't just say Jenny. A lot of right. people like Jenny Gwen. You like yeah. it all goes together. It goes together, yeah. I um it's like my kids, my oldest Rose, she's only Rose Elizabeth when she's in trouble. But Claire right. is Claire Ann Laura. So we say Claire Ann a lot. Like, it's just like they just go together. It, it does. Yeah. I love when that happens. Yeah. So Katie is coming to Nashville in a few weeks for our Eucharistic revival. And so, Katie, will you give us a little sneak peek about what you're going to talk about? Yeah, it's actually great because I just gave the talk um, in New York at their state Eucharistic Congress. It's kind of funny. The, all these congresses are happening all across the country. Uh, and for some reason, I think it's because I'm speaking at the one next summer. I'm getting a lot of invites to come to these local congresses. And the talk is, can you talk about the family? Can you talk about the Eucharist in the context of the family? And I always say to the organizers, I mean, we're not we're not doing anything special. And we go to church on Sunday. Like, that's what we do. We go to mass. My right. kids go to Catholic school and we make a holy half hour in the Catholic school week. That's what all the kids get to do. It's one of the reasons we chose that particular Catholic school. My husband and I share a holy hour uh, at 11 on Thursdays. Uh, so we alternate back and forth to the 11 p.m. Um, holy I, I'm I'm fighting for us to maybe move it a little earlier. That'd be nice. If we could do like a <laughs> nine o'clock one, I'd prefer. Right. Uh, so we're waiting for that time slot to open up. Um, but it the talk is really just about how to foster this Eucharistic love within the family to where our children, especially of a of a younger age, so I'd say like 10 and below, who still very much have this natural spiritual sensibility, are encouraged in their love of the Eucharist which is something my own family did. We were daily mass going Catholics when I was a kid. Uh, my, my sister and I both altar served. And so we were the regular Tuesday, Thursday altar servers in our little tiny daily mass chapel. And it was there, that rhythm. And we both stopped altar serving by the time we hit middle school. And so, but we were still in the habit. We were still very much in the rhythm of this is something that we do as a family. We go to daily mass on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that was hugely formational for both of us. Um, I obviously work in the church. My sister is a postulant with the Sisters of Life, so she's discerning further religious life. So they did something right as Catholic <laughs> parents. And so the talk is really kind of unpacking my own spiritual experiences as a young person who now has children and I'm trying to bring them into the church in this fuller way. Um, mixed, of course, with stories and you know right. silly connection points. And kids, kids do really say the darndest things at times. I think, I think we need a Catholic version of that show at some point because there's never a dull moment with children. No, not at all. So it's really about that. I want to go back when you were talking about the holy hour. What in, in your experience, how has taking time for that holy hour to go to adoration? How has that impacted your life? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I went to an event. Uh, it was called Behold the Lamb. I was a ninth grader and it was here in the Diocese of Lake Charles. 
at Burton Coliseum, which is like where our basketball teams play and where the rodeo is. And it's on the way to the airport. So I actually drive past it a lot these days. I'd never had an experience like this before. They had a holy hour kind of at the end of the event with praise and worship, a la a Steubenville conference, which I had not yet been to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought Jesus. They had a burning bush that they put like in this very charismatic. They put this burning bush thing in the middle of this coliseum that seats, you know, 8,000 people when it's fully packed. And there were like two or 3,000 people at this, mostly young people. Wow. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is cool. And that was it. Like I did not have, I had like a moment of like, this is Jesus, but like it didn't fully click with me, like just how profound this was that the God of the universe would be sitting right there and that I was invited to have this time with him. Fast forward a couple of years and my grandparents were volunteering at a, um, a Steubenville youth conference as they were, they were serving dinner on the Saturday night. And they, I was staying with them that summer for a couple of weeks and they drug me along because they didn't want me to stay <laughs> at the house by myself and plopped me with the youth group from Lake Charles's diocese in the, the the cheap seats of this Coliseum in Alexandria, Louisiana. And Paul George, who's since become a very good friend of mine, he was the host of the conference. And he got up there and he said, I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. And I thought back to that night in the Burton Coliseum back in Lake Charles. And then two years later, I'm having this other experience with Jesus there with us. But this time it felt different. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus. And the talk he gave was about how Jesus comes close to us. And so we are invited to come closer to him. And really since then, taking time to go and make a holy hour on a regular basis has been a huge part of my spiritual life. All through college, I would pop into the chapel on the way through classes. I went to a Catholic university in Dallas, Texas. So Jesus was right there on campus. My first job was at a parish in Chicago where my office was 200 feet from the front Mm -hmm. of the church. Uh, And so I was able to pop in all the time. And so it's just kind of always been this priority of, I can't really function if I don't have water, if I don't have sleep, if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, and if I don't make time to actually go spend time with Jesus. And what it really has done is grow this familiarity, which is one of my favorite words to use to describe Mm -hmm. Jesus, that we are familiar with him, that it's not this foreign concept, that it's not this awkward experience, but that there's this natural rhythm where just like with a, a conversation with a friend, where you just kind of pick back up where you left off, that by making this time for a regular holy hour all through these different phases of my life, and it's always been a little different. In college, I could just swing by now, married with children, like we have a set time that we we keep very protected within our family. Right. It, it breeds a deeper familiarity. And it, it acts as like a battery recharge. Um, You know, when it's not my week, because we alternate back and forth because the kids are sleeping at 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. Like, I'm almost sometimes like healthily jealous of my husband that like, oh, you get the time with Jesus this week. Right. Um, So there's there's this familiarity that's developed and this constancy that I can kind of trace the through line all the way back to ninth grade when I had that first encounter with like, oh, this Eucharist thing is this is real. And then in, in junior year where this talk was given that just really transformed my understanding of oh, he can be my friend all the way to now with two little kids. Like, I want them to know that, yeah, mommy makes time for her friend. She goes and she spends time with Jesus. There are so many people that know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, but it, I love the word familiar, right? You can know Jesus. You can know about him. But when you're familiar with somebody, it's more of that intimate relationship, mm-hmm. like a true knowing. Yeah, that familiarity. I mean, like, like I said, like with a friend, I mean, think of our text message chains with people. 
Like you don't have to reintroduce yourself every time you're texting. There's just you've got their contact saved and you can scroll back through the conversation. I, I kind of feel like that's almost the analogy when it comes to Eucharistic adoration to be able to just jump right back in when it just comes to, to Jesus in general. But I think Eucharistic adoration is really where it can be developed. This. OK, last week we were talking about this, Lord. Here's how it's going. Or like, this is where I really need help. Or you know what? It's great to see you. I'm just going to sit in the quiet and appreciate the fact that we are we are here together. I was at an event on Sunday night. It was a non-denominational praise and worship. The music minister came on and she said, I just want to um, say that it's okay to worship. Like so many times we think reverence happens in the quiet, but it's okay to worship Mm -hmm. and to be loud for God. And which I totally agree with that. But I also think that we live in such a busy world And there are constantly distractions and noise pulling at us that we also have to have that quiet time. We have to have both. Like we can worship God in so many ways, but it's in that quiet time that I know he's finally like, okay, I have Jenny all to myself. So now I can pour into her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. The Lord wants to talk to us. uh, And we oftentimes do most of the talking. And I find especially like at conferences, when there's a period of worship that really does kind of, I'll use the, get me in the zone. Like it gets me ready and softens my heart and clears my head saying those repetitive words over and over again. And and even if it's, if you can't make it to a holy hour, um, there's this opportunity to just take that time for the quiet and invite the Lord into our hearts so that the next time you are able to make it to the chapel, you are able to step inside church early and spend that time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that you're, you're ready then, too. Yeah. So I love how you looked back and you've seen pivotal points in your life that have had an impact. And I've sort of been on that journey myself lately where I've looked back at those times when I truly experienced the love of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. We felt the Holy Spirit. And mine goes all the way back to high school and doing a retreat and seeing the face of Jesus. And um, in the, like it was a picture or a, a painting of Jesus and opening my eyes and like feeling his presence, knowing that he was seeing me and I was seeing him maybe for the first time. And so I think about like all of those different points and how my faith grew stronger each time one of those happened, but it takes looking back mm-hmm. to sometimes see that progression. Have yeah. you noticed that? Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of saying prayer is really just a memory exercise of thinking about those moments when God has acted, when God has invited, when God has challenged, maybe when you felt his absence um, and remembering and going back into those memories that then allows us to think through the future and think through like in this present moment, I'm contemplating what could come. And I, I kind of have an idea of what maybe could come, what God could do, because I, I remember what he's done in the past. There's a really popular worship song right now. Um, the goodness of God and the line, like all my life, you have been faithful all my life. You have been so, so good. And like, we can say that only when we've actually done that memory exercise of, okay, when have you been faithful? When have you been so, so good? And so that I can continue to sing your praises and know that this goodness will continue. Just this past weekend, I was at the New York State Eucharistic Congress, which was up at Orysville, which is the um, Our Lady of the Martyrs Shrine, 
where St. Isaac Jogues and John de Brebeuf and mm-hmm. Terry Tekawitha, like these, this is holy ground. And 8,000 people came through over the course of the weekend. Now, my talk was Saturday night. There were not 8,000 people there by Saturday night. A lot of people had left after the procession <laughs> with a couple thousand. It was, it was still a pretty good crowd. Um, and in the crowd were some sisters of life. And I mentioned a second ago, my, my sister is in um, formation. She's a postulant. So she just entered in September. Uh, so I haven't seen her for a few weeks. She doesn't have a phone. We write letters. We've gotten one phone call with her so far. She's my only sister. We're incredibly joyful that she's discerning this religious vocation and so proud of her. But there is also like a grief. There's there's a sadness of, of some sort. And so I knew, you know, she's up in New York. The Postulant House is in the Bronx. A part of me was like, maybe they'll get to come to this big event. I mean, I know some of the sisters are going to be there. Maybe they'll let the postulants out, too, you know. And we found out when she called us, we had our first phone call. She was like, no, like we are working a retreat that weekend in Connecticut. And I was like, oh, well, still closer than we normally are. Like I'll wave to you and I fly. Right. But I was a little, you know, there was like a sadness there. I was kind of holding out that hope. So long story short. And then she says, but I was just there at the shrine. They had taken the postulants up there um, like a week before she'd called. So so two weeks before this event. Um, because they had to go close up one of the the sisters' properties. They were winterizing it. So they swung by the shrine to go pray. Um, and she was like, I got to see where you guys are speaking from because there's this high altar with this, you know, it's like 40 feet in the air. Uh, and she said, I got to pray with the relics. I got to, so I was like, oh, like she was there where right. I then got to speak. And then all these sisters were there, like 20 of them stayed late so they could hear my talk. And so after the talk was done, the CFRs were doing worship, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And they, without any planning, did goodness of God. That was the song mm-hmm. response to the end of my talk. So I come down from this like 40 foot up in the air platform and I'm I'm like kind of behind the high altar, just sitting by myself, kind of decompressing from the talk. And three of the sisters who know my sister came over and I know them. They came over and they gave me big hugs. And I was like, thank you guys so much for staying. And they say, oh, we stay for family. And we just all kind of had this, it was very, it was like a heavy moment, but also a really joyful moment of you know, God has been faithful and God has been good. And now we're singing these words, we're hearing these words and we're together in this moment. And I miss my sister, but I've just talked about the Eucharist. And like that moment is one that I'm not going to forget. And I think sometimes we are very quick to just write off these moments as, oh, I was being emotional or, oh, I was distracted or, oh, I was just like having this vulnerability hangover or, oh, like God wasn't really there. This was just like a goodbye But no, like God is acting in all of these moments and spending time in intentional prayer thinking about that. Right. How did I feel in these moments? It's not therapeutic. It's holy. It's sacred. And doing that in front of the Eucharist and making the time to do that in front of the Eucharist is really where I think that understanding of our sanctity, understanding of our relationship with Jesus and what we're called to do and who we're called to be, that's really where it develops. Well, and I think you could go down this, you know, tunnel of thinking that the world is falling apart and there are so many things (laughs) that are not going right. But when you shift your thinking to God is good, though, Mm -hmm. God is so, so good. Yeah. You allow your mind to see the ways in your life with your family and nature, you know, with your church community, how God is so, so good. When you focus on that, it's amazing how he's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his presence is not one to discount. Um, and sometimes in church, like think of most of us, Sunday Mass is where we're encountering the Eucharist. And if we've got little kids, maybe that Sunday Mass is not the most prayerful experience because we're making sure nobody grabs something from somebody else so that they're not too loud or that they're not running through the pews. Right. And it's even if it's just like a simple moment of like, Lord, show me your goodness right now. 
Um, Lord, remind me of your presence. Just a very simple kind of calling back. I think that can do it can do a lot of good for our relationship. It can do a lot of good for the witness that we give our kids within our church community. Absolutely. So Katie, you are definitely a mom in the middle with, it sounds like, younger children. And a lot of the moms that I work with are moms in the middle with adult children Mm -hmm. or children who are older. And one of the things that I have and a lot of people that I encounter are children who have stepped away from the faith. And my um, son told me yesterday, I was, you know, you you need to come to church with us on Sunday. And he's like, Mom, I just need space to like come back to the faith or Mm -hmm. to appreciate the faith in my own way, which was, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's telling me quit saying it. But then Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to quit saying it. Right. So you've spoken a lot to used. Give me some advice. Yeah. This generation, millennials are the, the highest of, of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S's. Uh, but Gen Z is quickly beating that number. Like statistically, we just know. And if you talk to people about why they've stepped away from the faith, because the only way you can bring someone back is if you know why they walked away in the first place. They, they sometimes they give an answer along the, well, I disagree with the church's position on this, or they right. talk about the scandals. But a lot of times the answer, if you really go beneath the surface, it's not just some boilerplate. Well, I, I don't agree with this or I, you know, I'm not appreciative of that. It's a, I don't really feel like it's relevant to my life. Yes. And they're so tapped out. I mean, Gen Z and, and young millennials, I'm solidly in the elder millennial camp, but I think we could we could fall in this category, too. They're so tapped out with life and there's so much going on that that even just an hour on Sunday which would make some sort of a demand upon my life because I'm not just going to do it and go through the motions. Like I'm actually going to want to believe it. That right. that's just a low priority. And so if it's a low priority for the child that's disaffiliated from the faith, we can often say that witness is the best teacher. How do you show your adult child that's disaffiliated that it's a priority in your life? And it comes through and I, it's not rocket science, but I also sometimes feel like almost trite in saying it. It comes through a consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, a parent that says, hey, you should come to church with us, but then isn't living a, a deeply Catholic life outside of Sunday Mass is giving a witness to an adult child that like, oh, this is just something we do for a social purpose, or this is just something we do because we have no other thing to do on Sunday morning. Or the answer I've heard from from some of my friends who've disaffiliated, well, you're just scared to go to hell. So that's why you're doing it. And I want to look at them and say, well, even if that was part of the motivation, like, aren't you? But, you know, that's not, it's not my place in some sense. There's something to be said for, we can invite and we can challenge and we can show that profound witness, but then also we can be persistent in our offering of help in the sense of, I have a very good friend who has been listening to catechism in a year, Mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, there's, we're like in a golden age of Catholic content. But this particular friend, they listen to Bible in a year. They know that I'm friends with Father Mike Schmitz. So they texted me and they said, hey, can you like, you've listened to some of this. And I said, well, yeah. And I, I know him. So like we've talked a little bit about it. And, and this friend said, well, it, how much is this going to be like Catholicism shoved down my throat? And I said, well, it's the catechism. So it's everything we teach. So if you're going to listen to it, like you need to be prepared to hear church teaching. So I was a little wary. I was like, oh, this is going to like the Bible in a year was great for them. Everybody loves the Bible, Catholic or not. And this friend has disaffiliated from Catholicism, but still goes to a non-denominational church, mostly because they prefer the community. They like the music and they didn't feel like anybody was telling them 
you have to follow these rules kind of right which was like okay so the church maybe wasn't welcoming to them they felt like the church was very restrictive it seems a little strange that you'd then jump into let's study our catechism from point to point to point every single day for the next year and just a few weeks ago they they texted me and they said i just want you to know that 25 minutes a day hasn't felt like it's shoving it down my throat but has been very digestible it was like huh sometimes the, the disaffiliated person we hand them a catechism with like no help or we say oh well you should watch this video series or oh you should read this particular book or oh let's answer all your questions right now and we'll google this stuff together and sometimes it just has to be like an offering like hey here's this thing it was really helpful to me maybe it'll be really helpful to you um and i think that persistent witness that here are some things that i think might be available to you to allow you to explore and to return on your own time and to also recognize, and I say this especially to the parents who maybe do have those adult children who are disaffiliated from the faith, and moms and dads feel like they've failed because, well, I'm still Catholic, but they're not Catholic anymore. What did I do wrong? You don't know anything about it. God can work through anything. Right. And, and like, yes, our ordinary means of salvation is through the sacraments. But that doesn't mean that God can't still be working on the child who's far from the sacraments. That doesn't mean that the Lord is not still available and present and loving of the of the person who is gone far away. And sometimes it just takes that time apart. It takes those asking those questions or going and living a completely separated from the church life to then recognize, oh, but that was home all along. And so to to really ask the Lord to give a spirit of patience to the parent who is missing that child in the church. Absolutely. I have a Medjugorje heart. I've traveled to Medjugorje on pilgrimages four times now. And recently I have three boys and they were all over for dinner. And one of my sons was laying on the couch and he's grown now, married and, and has a child. And just randomly he said, mom, tell me about Medjugorje. Mm. I said, what, like, what do you want to, of course I'm like, okay. You yeah, know, yeah, but you got to hold I, it back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I said, what do you want to know? And he said, well, I just find it interesting. I've, I'm excited now just talking about it. And so, you know, I shared a little bit, and of course I just wanted to like fire hose right, now, right. <laughs> but I restrained myself and just shared a little bit. And I thought, you know what, like God is so good. And I pray every day during my rosary for my children to come to know love and serve the Lord. And mm. And sometimes it's easy to think those prayers aren't being heard, but just him asking me about Medjugorje, yeah. like, okay, you know, there's hope, like mm -hmm. there's something working. He's seen something It's he knows the Lord yeah. because the, I mean, he was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, even Catholic college. It's timing. It's just letting God work. Me sit back, like you said, be a witness, continuous prayers. And just let God work. Even yeah. those times it's like, hurry up. I want us to all go to mass together and, and celebrate. Yeah. Well, and there's something too to be said. We just wrapped up on our Ave Explorer series um, on liturgical living. And about these traditions of the church, uh, there's a statistic out there that like more millennials go to mass on Ash Wednesday than any other day in the year. And it's like, that's not even a holy day of obligation. And it's it's not. But it's this cultural tether like, oh, no, no, start Mardi Gras was yesterday. So today's the day I go remember my death. Today's the day I remember my sinfulness. And it's like this just this connection point of a tradition that I'm I'm used to. 
And so it's like if there's a child in your life who comes home for the holidays and yes, like you're going to go to mass, but like what else in your house is distinctly Catholic? Is there a, an advent wreath? Do you have that nativity set? Right. When they're home for Easter, is there like this very obvious, like this is the resurrection of, of Jesus and that's what we're celebrating, not just bunnies and eggs. And I, I think sometimes those visual things kind of hook someone back in and like bring some of that curiosity back. Uh, so this is, that's the push for this is going to air before Advent. Get your Advent wreaths ready. Because like maybe that's the hook back in, guys. Like maybe that's the hook. Absolutely. Katie, as we close, for moms who are wanting to grow deeper in their faith, what is something that I know you shared about your holy hour, but is there some sort of prayer that you're doing that really grounds you and um, encourages you as a mom? Yeah. So I learned very early on, my, my oldest daughter, Rose, was a, a difficult baby. It was a difficult pregnancy, difficult baby. Um, and I love her. And she's like the greatest kid now. But I was like, I'm a bad mom and I have nothing to do other than sit on this couch and watch TV. And I realized it was like, well, if I've got time to sit on the couch and watch TV, I've got time to read or I've got time to listen. And let me use the means available to me to consume that stuff that would be life giving. All that to be said, like from the get go, I was a very early adopter and user of Hallow and the Hallow app. Mm -hmm. um, and now, full disclosure, my husband and I work with Hallow. We create a podcast for families to listen to on their mass drive called Family Mass Prep. It's a little 10 minute thing on Sunday mornings. You can listen to it on the way to church learn about the readings, awesome. make them fun and funny for your kids. But that's just like one very tiny thing inside the app. So I listen to the Divine Mercy Chaplet probably like three or four times a day. Like if I've just got time to fold, if I've got time sitting at my desk and I'm like working on radio stuff and I'm not recording something, I just have on the Hallow app and I'm listening. They've got courses and they've got prayers. Obviously, they've got different chaplets that are both sung and said. And it's this way of just keeping that Jesus-oriented listening in, in the front of my mind. I mean, I listen to other stuff too. Like it's not like nonstop Jesus, but but it's it's there on a regular basis. And so what, what I've really begun to do, all of that to say, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning and my kids are early risers, so it's usually like 5.30 a.m., one of them's up and it's like, nope, light hasn't turned green yet, go back to bed. But now I'm awake. In that 30 minutes, I'll go listen to the daily gospel. I'll take a few minutes before my feet have even hit really the ground to just take a few minutes and center myself in the scriptures for the day. And that makes the day much easier. Um, so even if it's not listening to it on the Hallow app, reading the daily gospel, right. getting a Magnificat subscription and keeping it on your nightstand, just to start the day in the word. And then to kind of saturate your day with that uh, really keeps me grounded and less crazy. And, you know, a late night holy hour. Can't yes. recommend it enough. Yes. Holy hour and the Hallow app. The two yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. All right, Katie, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your insight and wisdom. And I look forward to seeing you in person and yeah. thanks so much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. Let's close with prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you for the gift of Katie, for her ministry. Um, for the words that you give her, that she pours forth, that help people to not only come to know you, but to be familiar with you, the way you use her to strengthen families and just to spread your goodness, that you are so, so good, Lord. 
We ask that you continue to bless Katie's ministry and her family. Lord, we just ask for blessings on all of our families and give us the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to be good witnesses to our children, our grandchildren, and to all of those around us so that anytime people look at us, we are a reflection of your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. All right, friends, until we meet next week, go out and magnify Christ in your corner of the world. God bless.